0: This is an ABC podcast. Fran Kelly.
1: Welcome to RN Breakfast. Fran Kelly. She's a
0: household name. Good morning, Fran. Good morning, Fran. Good morning, Fran. Good morning, Fran. Good to be with you, Fran. Thanks for
1: having me, Fran. Good
0: You've morning, probably Fran. caught her new show. I'm
1: Fran Kelly. This has been Frankly. See you again soon. Good night known for her tough interviews. But four people have died in that process, which completely undercuts the credibility of your rollout. Do you accept that? She has a reputation
0: for being unflappable, for getting to the real story behind the spin, the sort of interviewer who keeps going until she gets all the answers. But Fran Kelly is also a rock chick who worships at the altar of rock. What makes a rock chick a rock
2: chick
1: as opposed to just like a woman who plays good music? Oh Lisa, you don't need me to explain that to you too. It's just everything about them. Um, it's the look, it's the stance, it's the boots, it's the guitar often. Um, it's just attitude, babe.
0: This is days like these,
1: and I'm Farz Adraki.
0: You might not know this, but Frank Kelly didn't start her career in journalism till her late 20s. Before that, she was a rock chick working as a university events coordinator, organising concerts for 2,000-seat venues, singing in an all-women punk band called Toxic Shock and having the time of her life. It's these two facets of her personality that come together in this story. The day rock-chick Fran met her hero and the day journalist Fran did the worst interview of her life. This story is from reporter Lisa DeVissey and... A word of warning, there's some strong language, but we beeped it out.
1: I was a girl singing in rock and roll bands in the 70s and the 80s, so I guess that was my period of, you know, of dreams. (laughs) Um, And around that time, we had Chrissy Amphlett here with the Divinals. She was an incredible rock chick. There was Blondie, of course who came before most of them. Susie Quattro was probably the original rock chick. She was the first, you know, poster I ever put on my wall. You know, I used to sort of try and dress like her and, you know, the whole, the whole shtick. Growing up, this was Fran Kelly's world.
2: This pantheon of rock legends fueled her daydreams. They were her friends, her confidants, her band of amazing women she could hang out with any time she played their music. They were intoxicating, sexy... Commanding. Confident. Scary. Comforting.
1: Glorious. Look, I think some of us are born fangirls and some of us aren't. And I knew from a very early age that was part of my personality. So I always had that thing about rock chicks. I wanted to be one. I wanted to know them. I wanted to hang with them. But despite the posters on Fran's wall, despite singing in a band...
2: Fran's talents would take her down another path.
1: I would have liked to be a rock chick, but instead I ended up as a journalist, go figure. Which brings us to 2004, to the
2: streets of London, where Fran is working as the ABC's Europe correspondent. Fran
1: Kelly, ABC News, London. It was a big moment for me. I'd always thought I wanted to be a foreign correspondent. If you're a news and current affairs journalist in the ABC, most of us want to be a foreign correspondent. That's, you know, it's a high point.
2: By this time, Fran has a well-established career as a journalist. After a decade of experience covering politics in Canberra, reporting on global politics and events seemed like the next logical step.
1: I felt, (laughs) this sounds a bit naff, I felt strangely proud to be the Australian broadcaster's foreign correspondent in London. You know, I felt representative to some degree. Anyway,
2: one day on the job, the phone rings. It's Fran's producer, Donna and she says that the seven thirty program would like her to do a pickup for a story they're putting together. A pickup, by the way, is when a journalist is tasked with getting quotes, or in broadcast terms, a grab for another journalist's story. It's one of the less glamorous, time sucking parts of the job.
1: Well in fact mostly you groaned when you had to do pickups for people because you know you want to be doing your own story, and doing a pickup is in London, in any big city, takes a bit of time, you've got to Get the crew, and you've got to get across London traffic, and you've got to organise it and set it all up, and you know, all of that. So, there's a lot of logistics, and in any one day, you can only do so much. But this was not your average run of the mill pickup. She said, Oh, do you want to interview Chrissy Hind? And I'm like, Are you kidding me? Wouldn't mind doing a pickup with Chrissy Hind. I was couldn't believe my luck. This is big because. Leading the
2: pack of Fran's rock legends was one woman, nay, God
1: in particular. Chrissy Hine is the lead singer of The Pretenders, and she had a breakthrough song, or they had a breakthrough song, I think it was 79, might have been 78, Brass in Pocket, which I'm sure a lot of people listening would know, you know, um, I use my arms, anyway, I won't do it. You know the one though, you definitely know it. And that was their breakthrough song. And they emerged, you know, post-punk. She was a punk-looking female singer. She was tough-looking. She was raunchy. And she had a voice that would just melt you. She was a real singer. And I was a big fan from the get-go. And I've been to probably six or seven, or probably more now, Pretenders concerts, I bought every single album they put out, and Chrissy Hind has put out separately, and yeah. So she was, is, was, is probably my favourite ever rock singer. Chrissy had the look, she had the
2: stance, the boots, often the guitar, she had the attitude, babe. She was the stuff of dreams. But back to Fran's assignment: the pickup. Mark Bannerman, a Sydney-based journalist at the 7.30 Report, was making a story about female rock legends. He'd organised an interview with Chrissie Hynde, who, despite being raised in America's Midwest, rose to fame and made her home in London.
1: He already, by then, interviewed Bonnie Rayett and he knew the thread of his story. So he had some very specific questions he wanted me to put to Chrissy Hind in camera. Sometimes you don't send a reporter along in person. You can do it remotely, but wisely mark a judge that it would be better to have a human being in front of Chrissy Hind to try and get the best out of her rather than just a remote link where they can't see who they're talking to and they're just looking down the barrel of a camera in an empty room Maybe, you know, listening over the phone or the cameraman's got the questions. And I was happily going off to sit in that room opposite Chrissy Hind and ask Mark's questions. And of course, being not just a journalist myself, but also a, a fangirl, I had my own questions I wanted to ask Chrissy Hind. So, you know, I went off with a skip in my step, shall I say.
2: Of all the stories she had made, the people she had met, this assignment brought on the most excitement. The Athens Olympics? Yeah, sure. The war on terror. Terror Terror-shmera. The mysterious death of United Nations weapons inspector David Kelly following an off-the-record discussion with the BBC about weapons of mass destruction. F*** that! Who cares about that? Sorry, I've been listening to a lot of rock music as research. No, it was this... Asking someone else's questions for someone else's story, taking precious time away from filing her own stories with her hero, Chrissy f***ing Hindman. Sorry, I've got to stop doing that. Look, obviously Fran cared about all those stories. She's Fran Kelly. I'm just trying to convey how the fan inside her was feeling.
1: And the fan was... Excited. Beyond excited. Um, Thrilled. Excited. A little nervous, but just, you know, beyond excited. (laughs) There's no (laughs) other way to describe it. And I went home, told my partner, started workshopping what I would wear. Seriously, because, you know, literally it wasn't my interview, so I couldn't particularly shape the interview. But, you know, I could shape the, the vibe of the thing, and outfit was a part of that.
2: I imagine this happening like an outfit montage in a movie. Probably not how it happened, but go with me, cos it's a good vibe. Fun guitar music plays. Fran steps out in different rock chick iterations. Tartan skirt? No, maybe. Get changed again? Black jeans? No, maybe. Heavy eyeliner, maybe. All the while, her partner Marion waits to assess, either shaking her head in disapproval or giving a thumbs up.
1: Look, she's not excited by rock chicks in any way, shape or form. But she appreciated where I was at and knew it was important. And when I sort of suggested that I would be donning the leather jacket for the look, she said, "Uh uh-uh. And I think that was for a number of reasons. One is, you're not the rock chick she is, so settle down, Turbo. So there's the matter of looking the part.
2: But Marion gives Fran another reason not to wear the jacket.
1: Don't you remember that she's an animal liberationist? Like, she sings songs for Peta. She campaigns and works, but she got arrested at a Petter protest in London. She's not going to appreciate a leather jacket these days, pretty sure. And it was very, very sage advice. So
2: no leather jacket. No worries. Phew. Dodged a bullet. What was sort of the best outcome possible, the best case scenario for this interview?
1: In my mind, the night before, unspoken, would, these words would never pass my lips, OK? But in my dreams... We would have a wonderful discussion, wonderful interview. She would flow lyrically. She would reveal inner thoughts. We would laugh. We would connect. And then we would be friends. I swear to God, that's probably what I dreamt. (laughs) I can't even believe I'm saying that out loud.
2: Did you sleep much the night before?
1: Yeah, I slept. I'm a professional. Come on.
2: The big day. Outfit check. Bannerman's questions, check. Pull into the venue, and there she is. Yellow jacket. Thick, coal eyeliner. Shaggy mullet with bangs down to the top of her eyelids. Chrissy Hind was
1: Uh, how would we describe it? Frowning? <laughs> Sulky? Not happy. This is all before the cameras are rolling or she's even sat down. She made it very clear she didn't want to do the interview. If she could in her career, this would be the last time she ever did an interview like this. You know, she was done with it.
2: The fan would have to wait. This is a job for Fran the journalist... Time to work.
1: You know, part a big part of being a journalist is talking a good game. It's the face you put on to reassure the talent, whoever they may be, to endear yourself to the talent, to give them a first impression that is positive so they can look at you and think, oh, yes, yeah, she looks smart or switched on or whatever. You've got to have all of that happening in the first moment because if you don't, then you're starting from behind.
2: So Fran keeps her cool. Her tendency to overprepare serves her well in this regard. She even took care to dress the part, for goodness sake. From the shirt,
1: to the pants, to her boots. And one of the first things out of Chrissy Hine's mouth was, are they leather? And I thought, oh no. Fangirl down. I repeat, Fangirl down. No, I didn't think, because always the thing about Chrissy Hine, one of the things that I always noticed and loved about her were her boots. Always on stage, she'd be in bright blue leather boots, or bright yellow leather boots, or But I think she's ditched the leather in the intervening years and I hadn't caught up with that and I should have.
2: But never mind, Chrissy has moved on. She's back to talking about how much she hates doing interviews and media appearances.
1: She's sick of talking to journalists. She's sick of answering dumb questions. She's sick of them all doing the same thing, which is basically all Googling the same thing, finding the same quotes, asking them back to her, trying to get her to say the same thing again. She said, what is the point of that? And she said, you either get dumb questions or you get insulting questions. And either way, she really wasn't interested. There's a saying in journalism, you know, do you do good phone? Doing good phone meant that you were the journalist who could get the talent over the line. By the time you get to be the Europe correspondent, you've had to learn it and you've had to do it on a lot of occasions and you've had to convince people who weren't in the mood to talk, um, either because of what they've just been through. You have to learn to get the touch right as you approach them because you have no time for failure. It's you get one shot at it and it happens then or it doesn't happen.
2: Here in front of Chrissy Hind, Fran has to quickly and accurately choose her method of approach. And Chrissy has made it clear that many of those methods will not work on her.
1: All I had was we are a serious program, I'm not a nitwit. I've got a job to do here. You've got a job to do. Let's just get on and do the job you've agreed to do and that I'm here for. So I really didn't try and muck around or flatter her. I don't even think, I'm not sure, but I don't even think I said I'm a huge fan. That was the approach I took. It was like, well, I really appreciate you being here. This is who we are. This is a serious show. This won't be a long interview, but, you know, I appreciate you being here and let's get on with it. So that's that. Roll the camera. The first question was one that Mark had given me because he'd already interviewed Bonnie Raitt. That was in the can. And it was, you know, if you would describe yourself in a few words, how would you describe yourself? Something like that.
2: Here's how Bonnie Raitt answered the question.
1: I'm a survivor. I'm feisty. I'm independent. I'm 54. I'm
2: full of mischief. And I know what I'm doing. OK, cool. So, Chrissy.
1: How would you describe yourself in a few words? I wouldn't. Literally, that's what she said. I wouldn't describe myself. OK, so bad start, right? That's, a, that's what you would describe as a bad start to an interview. She said, I wouldn't. Why would I describe myself?
2: Fran tried rephrasing the question, a fairly reliable interview technique.
1: But, you know, if, if, you, if you did, if you, if you wanted to th- talk about who you were and, in a few words, and she said, well, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that.
2: Around this time, it dawns on Fran that she isn't living out her inner fangirl's wildest dreams. Instead, she's stuck in a
1: tedious reality, doing a difficult pickup for her job. And it just was dud after dud after dud answer like, literally, nothing.
2: Fran's good phone arsenal was wearing thin. Perhaps the best way to go from here is to level with Chrissy, explain the process to her
1: this is for an interview that someone else is putting together. We're cutting it with an interview with Bonnie Raitt, so I need the answers to be a little bit longer because it's not going to run as an interview. It's not my question and answer. So if you wouldn't mind giving me slightly longer answers, in other words, I didn't say this, but more than five words would be good. Um, And she went, "Okay, right, right.
2: What was it like as the fan inside you having to coach your hero like that?
1: Oh, look, by this time the fan was way in recession. <laughs> the fan had been put on the back burner and the cameraman and I were looking at each other going, hell, we, this is just not working. Fran had thrown the book at this interview
2: and still didn't have much that was usable. So she tried one of her own questions, not one of Mark's.
1: You know, what's it like to be in your 50s, in the rock and roll industry, someone who's performed in the biggest stadiums, you know, one of the world's biggest acts, to now being reduced to singing at pubs. You know, I saw you at Shepherd's Bush not long ago, you know, singing before four or 500 people. Holy f***ing shit Actually, that probably wasn't wise, suggesting to a, a rock legend and a female rock legend that maybe she's passed it, like, and what's that feel like? That probably wasn't a great move on my part. Pretty much as soon as the words came out of my mouth, that was probably the fan topping the journalist. But look, it was a, it was a, it was obviously a question that if you would have got a real and a deep response, would have been interesting. You know what?
2: The fan within had the right instinct. To hear Chrissy Hind wax lyrical about the challenge of building new audiences, the changing realities of rock and roll. Her thoughts on women in rock and roll and the pressures on them to stay young in a way that men don't have to,
1: that would have made a great interview. And then all of a sudden we're mid-filming, the camera's rolling, and she just stops and gets up out of the chair with no word of explanation. There's been a bit of a kerfuffle outside in the corridor, a bit of noise, but not much, you know, nothing that I was worried about, and it annoyed her. She suddenly got up, walked across the room, opened the door, put her head out in the corridor and said, would you mind? We're trying to film a television interview in here. Slammed the door and came back and sat down and said, how am I doing? I think it's going well. What do you think? And I thought, I'm trying to film a television interview. You're not trying at all. I don't know why you think it's going well, but okay, let's go with that feeling. So we started again and she did open up a little more. We did get a few sentences at a time.
2: I've seen the final television package. Knowing the backstory and that these grabs were considered the usable ones really shows them in a different light. For example, here's Chrissy Hind on feminism.
1: I'm not interested in gender issues. And I'm not interested in women, to be honest. Or men, as such. On being an aging rock star. You know, if someone wants to pay money to see, you know, a 52 year old woman on stage with a guitar, be my guest, you know. If you don't, don't. Them.
2: And on being quoted as saying, domesticity doesn't sell.
1: I don't think I ever said that, but it's a good quote.
2: Compared to the rest of their session, Fran's last question to Chrissy is a raging success. Given her rock legend status, her success and longevity as a woman in rock and roll, and the fact that she has two daughters, would she recommend a music career to other women?
1: Absolutely. Are you kidding? Pick up your pencils, girls, and start writing.
2: And then it's over. Interview finished.
1: At the end of the interview, I said, okay, Chrissy Hine, thank you very much, and the cameras were off and, um, you know, we she got up and I thought she'd just leave straight away, so I said, thanks very much. And then something weird happens. She came over to me. I'm pretty sure, I, this could be a wrong recollection, but I'm pretty sure she hugged me and she said, let's get a photo. And it was like, what? What? You've just dudded me completely in the interview chair and now you want a photo and you want to... You know, like it was a very strange moment. Um, but there it was. It sounds like a real head fk. It was a roller coaster ride. Let's put it in language that can be played on the radio. Well, actually, it's a fucking podcast, but I'm not about to correct Fran Kelly. It was a roller coaster of a ride, I can tell you that. But you know, that was nice human moment. And maybe she was just having a bad day. Maybe she just hates doing interviews. Maybe it was nothing personal. Actually, it was nothing personal. (laughs) It was nothing personal. That's the truth of it. So Fran went back to the
2: office, made an apologetic phone call to Mark Bannerman, who, as it turns out, was also a huge Chrissy Hyde fan. But he said, no worries, I'm sure there'll be parts we can use. Mark Bannerman is famously a nice guy. And after that, Fran went home and recounted the day to Marion.
1: We actually went through it step by step, line by line with Marion and then got her to watch the raw tape and she couldn't believe it. And then when people would come over, we'd show them the tape because it was really bad. Like I'm not over-egging it. It was really bad. And that's obviously not all Chrissy Hines' fault, but it was like really a terrible interview (laughs) and um, a terrible experience. It's not like it was a major trauma or a major sort of global impact or anything, but it was. I think it's definitely the worst interview I've ever done. They say to be a journalist you have to have thick
2: skin. But I don't think having your inner fangirl thrown under a bus driven by a rock star and all-out dream babe is the kind of scenario the old adage was intended for. Having thick skin is like for when you go head-to-head with an energy minister. Fran's girlhood hero had been rude, unresponsive, uncooperative, and then, inexplicably, after not doing what Fran needed, she'd got herself together, given Fran some love... But on her terms, there'd be some people who, in the same situation, wouldn't have been able to forgive that. Fast forward six years. Fran is back in Sydney with a little gig, hosting RN Breakfast. I don't know if you've heard of it. And she's got tickets to an extraordinary double bill, Blondie and the Pretenders. Debbie Harry and Chrissy Hind on the same
1: night. That concert with Blondie was in 2010, so, you know, a fair bit of water under the bridge. Um, so the hurt had um, the hurt had healed. Fran had turned up early, bought the
2: T-shirt. She was as close to the front as she could get. And Chrissy Hind
1: took the stage. She was fantastic. The band was fantastic. She was nearly 60 then, and she was incredible and still hot and still had it. And to have Blondie and The Pretenders... On the one gig. I mean, that is incredible to me. It's like all my youth wrapped up in one stage show and they delivered in spades. The crowd, I think all the crowd felt like me. They were probably all the same age as me. I ran into so many old friends in the foyer, it was hilarious. We were all pumped, we were all hyped. It was about so much more. It was about our youth, it was about the fact that they're still rocking, it was about the fact that we're all there together. It was a double bill you couldn't have imagined. It was just like fantastic. And how was the fan inside you? Bursting, bursting with excitement and loving it and sang the whole way through and couldn't get enough of it and as soon as it finished, I walked out and I said, I've got to go tomorrow night and I rang around and made sure I could get really good tickets and I did that and, yeah, it was a great couple of days. And I was doing breakfast radio, so it wasn't easy because I had to get up at quarter to four the next morning, so it was not easy. This is so embarrassing... After the gig, I was so excited. But actually, I think it was my friend's idea, not mine. And well, um, that's my story anyway. I'm sticking to it. So we went down to Stage Door to wait for Chrissy to come out. It's not the first time I've been Stage Door, I will admit. And? I was fairly confident she wouldn't recognise me, but a little part of me thought, what if she said, oh, hi, Fran, I saw you in London. How are you? That didn't happen. Lucky. I love that you took yourself there. Like risking it all all over again. Yeah, I'm kind of glad she didn't come out because I knew it wouldn't have been good but I had to do it, just in case. The fan in Fran is always going to be there. And still, in fact, Marion says to me, can we just not play Chrissy Hine for a while? You know, like it's still my go-to. She has an incredible voice. And Fran
2: the journo, the tough, measured media professional doing her job without fear or favour,
1: she's there too. Because you know, she's bigger than me, right? And that's the first rule of journalism is it's not about you. And I just happen to either cop a bad day or get a bad interview, do a bad interview.
2: I think that's great because it's sort of like the journalist in you is sort of protecting the fan inside you. you
1: know? Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was Fran Kelly speaking there with reporter Lisa Divisi. Our sound engineer is Russell Stapleton and our executive producer is Sophie Townsend. This episode was produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Boonurong peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nation. Chrissy Hind, if you hear this, please consider being a guest on Fran Kelly's TV variety show, Frankly. And if you're in Australia, check it out on ABC iview. I'm Farza Draki. Join me next time for more stories about the day everything changed. Next episode, we've got a story about an epic battle between a journalist and a machine. Don't miss it. And my mum
2: says, I'm so sorry. Even if you work hard, life is unfair. Hello, Kel Wilson here. Live comedy is back and so is the only podcast devoted to the best in Australian and New Zealand stand-up, ABC Comedy Presents. You can hear seven new full-length shows from Felicity Ward, David Quirk, Ivana Ristagueta, Jude Pearl, Claire Hooper and me for free right now. ABC Comedy Presents. Get it now on the ABC Listen app.